I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Sarah, long time no see. Sarah, and first of all, I'm glad to see you, um, but I'm also feeling apologetic towards our listeners because I randomly canceled our episode last week so I'm so sorry for anyone who was anyone who was standing with their phone on a Friday morning just waiting for the episode to download all of those three people I'm really sorry I I briefly considered just a total monologue like I don't want to subject anybody to that so oh my gosh slam poetry next time we just we should just have those waiting so like so that if somebody, if one of us has to cancel or something, the other one just has like some kind of like slam poetry, some monologue, just like ready to go. And we just come on and do it like into the, like in the darkness, like without any context. And then that's it. That's oh the whole gosh. podcast. So my, my drive home from the pool is about 10 minutes. Can you imagine if I just recorded whatever's going through my mind at the time? <laughs> How many listeners would we lose? <laughs> I think this is a great idea. Yeah, people are like on mass unsubscribe, unsubscribe. I don't know. I think we maybe we would gain listeners. It's hard to know which way that would go. Uh, safe bet. I'm gonna say people would not be impressed. <laughs> okay, so tell me why you stood me up right. and all of our listeners up. I totally stood you up at the last minute too, like on the day, just like, sorry, I'm out. Um, so yeah, essentially like I, I feel like my learning process right now as like founder slash CEO is that like my job is constantly changing and I'm having to figure out what my new job is. Right. And I, a lot of it for me has to do right now with like emotional energy. So I find that like time is actually not my limiter, but my emotional energy is, and that's what I have to watch or be careful of so like I you know we've been through this is the first time I've hired someone full-time straight up like I have we have five people working full-time on feisty media right now or as of now now we have six um but I've they've always come into the business slowly we were all, all already working on projects or on contracts or doing stuff and then they like build their way in so I already know them really well and know their strengths before they become a full-time part of my business and like with that the um like the financial you're essentially making a financial um investment in a person right so the hiring process is like you have to decide you're going to make a financial investment, which still seems like a, a large investment to me, um, to a person that you're like just meeting cold, <laughs> right? Uh, like you're seeing some stuff, like you're seeing their expertise on paper, you know, you're maybe meeting them a couple times and then you have to make this decision. Um, so I, I felt like there was some pressure on that to make a good decision. And we had so many good applicants too that I also had that, the other side of it, like the FOMO of like, 
how do I pick the magical best one? It's going <laughs> to gonna be amazing. Um, so that was part of it. So that's part of like what added extra to last week. But I just realized kind of at some point around lunchtime Wednesday last week that I'm like, oh, like I just sort of need to sit in a dark room and, <laughs> and be by myself. This is not cool. I, I'm exaggerating, but that, that like I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had enough um, like social energy left really to like do think anything other than like write emails. Mm. <laughs> um, does that make sense? Like my introverted side starts to get a little bit like cranky. Um, no, that, so. that, that totally makes sense because it's, it's not enough to just read a resume. You're trying to read a, another human being and see if they fit into your team. Mm-hmm. And like, like you said, I think people underestimate the cost associated with hiring. So you, you are, like you said, investing in a person to be brought on. And at first, like to train every person and to get them up to speed, you know, you lose, it, it takes a little while. And if you have high turnover rate in a certain position, that costs you money as an employer. Totally. So, so you want to make sure that you get the right person from the get go and they're going to be there for the next few years. So it doesn't cost you money, you know, that just having people revolving door. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is that the reason this particular hire, the reason I hired her is because I'm, I currently, I've come to realize this slowly through this process that I'm actually probably doing two jobs right? But I'm not actually doing two jobs because nobody can do that. So there's like stuff falling off the edge, you know, um, and I'm feeling like there's a lot on my plate. And then you like add into that the hiring process. So I can see where it gets hard for um, founders, like people who run startups to like actually make the time to like hire someone and then you have to onboard them and you have to teach them all the things that you're already doing. So there's, this is a process I've been through several times in my business, but um this one's pretty big because it's a lot of core operations tasks that I'm going to get this person to do. But the good news is that um, I, I've hired someone and I'm extremely excited about her joining our team. So um, yeah, so she's given her notice at her old job and uh, she'll be starting in a couple of weeks. So well, congratulations. Yay. I mean, it's that's only part one, right? Because the second part is training her and, you know, getting her to take over your tasks and feel confident about you know, her, her role in your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I'm realizing, you know, it's, it's a fun process for me because I'm realizing like, she, you know, she'll be someone else that I'll manage in my business. But like, I, I kind of like being a manager a little bit, which is something I didn't necessarily know, but, um, it's shocking to anyone who knows me, like some of the more organizational stuff, creating systems for our business or, um, yeah, any of those tasks, some of the accounting tasks, I'm just like, I do them eventually, but I don't do them well, and I, I, I could use some help. So, yeah, outsource that, man. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's happening. It's happening. Anyway, I'm very happy to be back here with you this week, Sarah. Oh, thanks, Sarah. I missed you. <laughs> I missed you. Um, okay, so coming up on the show, we're going to talk about cyclocross athletes and politics, um, unsolicited advice and feedback during pregnancy, and how to run without scaring women. Every day there seems to be a new wellness trend, like eat this, do this, avoid those scary things. And how do we know where to start and who to trust? 
Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. This provides you with a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and includes tests that we need as athletes but aren't traditionally included, like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part is that they don't just give you the data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. So for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our If We Were Riding listeners 25% off their entire store. So just go to insidetracker.com forward slash riding. That's insidetracker.com forward slash riding as in if we were. Change is an inside job. Start inside. Hey, feisty folks. Jamila here, the Feisty Team Community Innovator. In June of 2020, we launched the Feisty Team to help you all stay feisty no matter what the year threw your way. Over the last six months, we've come together as a team to try and make the world a feistier place and connect with other like-minded friends in triathlon and endurance sports. We meet every month and bring in experts that can help us on the path to building feistiness in ourselves and others and create meaningful change in our sport and community. The monthly subscription is only $22 and you'll get monthly feisty huddles and webinars with expert guests, big sponsor discounts, swag and monthly prizes, challenges to stay motivated, a community of feisty like-minded friends. Plus, we are adding new initiatives all the time, like our new book club and virtual workouts. Go to feistyteam.com to join us and become a part of the feistiest team in endurance sports so we can crush 2021 together. That is feistyteam.com. So Sarah, before we get started, I wanted to actually wanted to ask you some advice about something, but we didn't have time before we started recording. So I'm just going to do it right now. Okay, <laughs> go for it. In case our audience put uh, me on the spot. Like to but, <laughs> and I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but right now you're doing um, some, you're, you're like learning online, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, how have you found the process of like as a, I'm not sure exactly how old you are. A <laughs> mature, a mature student. As a mature student, <laughs> yes. How, <laughs> how have you found that process of like learning to learn again? Uh, I don't know. I actually didn't find it that challenging. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I was actually a little surprised. The, the biggest thing was getting back into, because uh, the classes I've been taking are pretty reading and re- writing heavy uh so just getting back into the flow of being able to read you know academic writing you know journal articles and trying to uh you know it's a skill set right you don't want you don't need to read every single word you need to read selectively and to be able to do that in an efficient way to be able to write efficiently uh, you know, it's, it, it took a little while to get back to speed. Um, I, you know, I, I, the, the challenge for me, I can't say universal. If I went back into something that is not, uh, within my comfort zone. So I think reading and writing is, you know, that's pr- 
pretty comfortable to me. It probably would be far more of a stretch because it it never was something supernatural to me. So, yeah, that's a tough one to say. Um, the biggest thing is just, yeah, regaining the skills and learning how to incorporate, uh, you know, that that dedicated schoolwork time into my schedule. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So do you have exams and stuff? Do you have things where you have to like actually sort of memorize theoretical models of psychology or something and then take an exam? Like, does that, does, do you do that first of all? And yeah. like, has that been difficult? Uh, no, I was actually really pumped to do it. And, but, th- but then again, you know, I, I recognize that I had the luxury of, you know, because, because I have, I don't have a nine to five job, you know, I don't yet have children. Um, I have that mental and emotional energy that a lot of mature students don't because they're juggling so many other things where I, I really welcomes that additional load. Um, but people who already feel pretty maxed out with, with those other demands, I think it would be, it would be really challenging to be going back in school you know, if you have a desk job or something that's really, uh, you know, environment or, you know, energetically costly in addition to other demands in your life. So, yeah, I, I recognize that I I suppose I could say I'm in a privileged position because, uh, you know, I have I have the time and energy that a lot of people wouldn't at, you know, my my point in life. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good for me to hear. Um, I, the reason I'm asking is because like, as we onboard this new person and I can offload some stuff, I'm thinking of taking like a business finance course. Um, and like one of the parts of my job that I really enjoy is actually, as we start making money, being able to decide what to do with that money and reinvest it into our business. Right. But I am finding that I don't necessarily understand all the moving parts of what that looks like and how to make those decisions. So like even if I'm looking for mentors in that space, I don't even understand the questions to ask mm. or the language. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I like I am someone who believes that like you can learn a lot in the real world for sure. Like I'm an entrepreneur through and through, even though I have a Ph.D. Um, and obviously believe in like conventional learning, too. But like. I wouldn't think about taking a course if I didn't think like, actually, I don't even know how to ask the questions that mm. I want to ask, Yeah, you know? Um, so I was thinking about doing it and then I'll just, before we move on, I'll like, <laughs> I'll tell you the story cause I couldn't believe it. So the course I was looking at was like a, it was like a finance for managers kind of. Um, so it wasn't like finance for people who were going to work in finance, <laughs> which is not what I need. Um, and it was through Cornell university, which first of all, like the first thing I think about with Cornell is, um, Andy from The Office. Yep. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Am I right? Yep. Okay. So then, and, and part of me is like, I'm like, is this a joke? Like, I actually feel now like, like Googling this to find out if like, like, did I end up in some kind of joke website? I don't know. But like, when I got the, I like signed up for more information and I got kicked back an email from someone at Cornell University called Michael Scott. No, mm-hmm. that's amazing. And I'm like, how is this, like, I like, is this real? Like, I actually just like, this can't be, but it's like a Cornell University online course. Like, I just, I can't put the pieces together and I don't know why they didn't. The first thing in the email should be like, I know this seems like a joke, but my actual name is Michael Scott. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> like, because how? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, that's pretty funny. Oh, man. Or, or at least maybe they would go by Mike. Um, I guess that doesn't sound as official, but yeah. That's so funny. That 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 is definitely my first uh, association. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, this is something that we could kick to the listeners is if they... If they are, if we have any business owners, like who have experience, you know, taking finance courses, whether they found it was helpful, um, yeah, you could do it. You would crush it. Mm-hmm. I think I think I would enjoy it. Like yeah. I think it's something I want to learn about, and I do think that I will then later learn more in the real world. But I want yeah. to understand. It's like a foundational principle totally. thing that totally. I would want to be. Included. Like, what do all the other people who work in finance know? <laughs> like, on the base level, what did they learn in their first year of university? I would like to know that yeah. so that I can move forward. Um, no, so. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have quite a few voicemails to roll through this week. Yes, let's do it. Roll mm-hmm. the tapes. <laughs> it's not tapes. It's totally digital. <laughs> hey, Sarahs. This is Megan from Maryland. First of all, congratulations, Sarah True, and to your husband on the amazing news. I'm so happy for you both. And I do have to say, I caught on a lot quicker than Sarah Gross, um, but it was pretty hilarious to listen to. It definitely made me giggle, so thank you. Um, I had a ton of thoughts about last week's podcast, which was really exciting for me, um, especially as I was listening to it. Um, so the, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. The e-bike I am all aboard that e-bike train. It's been really fun seeing friends and family um, finally connecting and loving the sport that I love. Um, And I can think of a couple friends who this has really changed um, the way that they exercise. Like one of my friends who is recovering from cancer treatments right now. um, And another friend who lives in Portland. And if you've never been to Portland, Oregon, it's a surprisingly hilly area. And um, she has bad knees and was trying to figure out a way that she could run errands with her kids and not be in the car all the time. And the e-bike and the pedal assist was the perfect solution for her. It's actually been pretty fun. She's been posting stories on her Instagram about how she's been leaving the kids at home and uh, with dad and um, going on her own excursions and exploring the city in ways that she couldn't do before. Um, Yeah, I can't wait to get my own e-bike. So... Moving on to the conversation about asking athletes to boycott the Olympics. It made me think instantly pretty much about um, the World Cyclocross Championships in Arkansas and how there are calls for boycotts because of the anti-transgender laws. Um, As a spectator, I have my own power kind of in the dollar Um, And I personally am choosing not to go to this event and um, not spend my money in Arkansas because of these laws or as long as these laws are in place. This being said, I would not ask an athlete to boycott this event. Um, As Sarah True pointed out, and I mean both of you, this is their livelihood. Some of them have given years and years and years to get here. Um, I think about the young people who might not have paychecks coming in, the people who are retiring and might not have another world in their future. And um, it is their livelihood. It's a completely different question to be asked. And um, someone 
on Twitter, actually, there was a conversation I was reading about for these people who do go to the events, such as athletes, um, such as journalists, how can they use their spotlight um, in their unique position. Also, you can take action while you're at an event to raise the voices of um, people who might not be heard otherwise. I mean, we've even seen it in the Olympics, um, people participating and making political statements um, because they have that unique power. Um, actually, there was a fascinating conversation I saw about a journalist saying, we're not going to cover the event. And someone saying, well, is that the best way to show the issues that are happening um, with the lack of inclusion, perhaps going to the event and um, raising your voice and talking about um, what's wrong with anti-transgender laws might be the better way to go about changing the world. Um, So yeah, there's just my thoughts about that and about the different roles that we all play um, and how boycotting might work for one group, but that being there and Um, using the spotlight might be the better option for others. Um, Thank you guys for listening, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Bye. All right, Megan, thank you so much for that voicemail. Honestly, I don't know about you, Sarah. I have nothing to add. I know. I I feel like Megan made uh, points about athletes and politics, like, way better than we did. (laughs) So it's like, I'm just like, thank you, Megan. Excellent. Yeah. I I do know that uh so the race director for Cycle Across Worlds recently resigned uh in part because uh I I don't know the the gender of of the race director but they they were not on board uh with what's been going on down there and they're like I I can't be part of this. So it is it is interesting, you know, other people can make decisions. Um you know, it's it's finding it's finding that balance between, but I think that's the biggest statement that so, person. Sorry, could just for clarity, the is... race director in a for this CrossFit or sorry CrossFit, CrossFit. for Cyclocross Worlds. Sorry, my brain. Yeah, so Cyclocross Worlds in Arkansas. In Arkansas, resigned. Yeah, resigned yeah. because they didn't agree with the laws banning trans athletes. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I think like you're right. There's lots of ways to um to make a difference, especially like yeah, anyway, that if you're not like not being the athletes themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the athletes can use their personal platforms mm-hmm. to raise awareness. So I've I've a friend who's a mountain biker and uh you know, she's she's out and she felt very concerned about racing in Arkansas, I think it was last weekend, and made this post after the race where she's like, listen, I know that in the state, um, uh, people, the the medical professionals can deny her care because if they disagree with her lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. this was something that I was not made aware of. Like I I missed, I missed that whole legislation. Right. Um, And I think, you know, she she went there, she competed, but she had this, you know, this whole thing hanging over her head. And I think that in of itself is powerful that, yes, you know, she's she's a professional athlete. You know, she she needs to compete, but to not acknowledge that there's also this really complicated uh, situation down there. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the, I, I give her a lot of credit for that.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, shall we move to Jocelyn? Let's do it. All right, voicemail number two. Hey, Sarah and Sarah. This is Jocelyn, longtime listener, first time caller. I really enjoyed your episode um, about belly banter. So, congratulations, Sarah Chu and Ashley. And I wanted to say, I rock because. I had a 99th percentile baby who is 11 pounds and 6 ounces and I could definitely relate to Ashley's story um, about having all the ice cream and then having to do the the glucose test, the screening for gestational diabetes. I was really worried that I had diabetes because my baby was growing so big and um, I was eating a lot of ice cream, so when we did the test, they didn't call me with the results, and I ended up, I waited I think a week, and then I called and left a voicemail that was like, please tell me if I have diabetes because I've been eating ice cream every day, and I'll stop eating ice cream if you tell me I have diabetes. So they called back, I did not have diabetes. So I was like, all right then, I will keep eating ice cream every day. Anyway, uh, you'll also find that everyone feels that when someone's pregnant, they just have free reign to make all the inappropriate comments and questions. So I'm sure you're getting that already, but prepared for all that. And whenever I tell someone that I had almost an 11 and a half pound baby, they Of course, in their minds, they're thinking, did you push that giant baby out of your vagina? And it's, of course they don't say it. And I I always wait a few seconds and then uh, I say it was a scheduled cesarean because in the US, apparently the ACOG recommendation, which is American Academy, I think, uh, American College of the OBGYNs, if your baby's projected to be five kilograms which is 11 pounds or more then it's recommended to do a scheduled cesarean um my baby was supposed to be 12 pounds so we evicted her three days early but yeah everyone wants to know and they usually say it was a c-section right but you know you know how it is anyway i love the podcast and i am delighted that you ladies are all going to be moms. Take care and hope to be listening to more soon. Okay, so Sarah, I really, as I was listening to Jocelyn, and thank you, Jocelyn, for your voicemail. I know you've been like a long time listener, so I'm so glad to finally talk to you here in a voicemail format. Um, Sarah, have you had unsolicited advice and feedback about your pregnancy? You know, not yet. I keep on waiting. What? I know. Oh, maybe it's like COVID. Like you're not out in the real world talking to people all the time. You know, I've only had one stranger even acknowledge the fact that I've I've looked pregnant um, in the sense that I was in the locker room and mm-hmm. this older woman just asked me how my baby likes being in the water. And that was the first I was I came home. I was super excited. Ben, mm-hmm. this is the first time a stranger has basically acknowledged that I look pregnant. But nothing online. No, like no. no. 
Wow. I know. I'm just waiting for it. Because I keep on hearing these stories about strangers touching bellies and things like that. Right. And maybe it's because in New England, you know, we're we're a little we're a little prickly up here. Like I don't know. we're not we're not huggers. But yeah. How, did you have did you have experiences like that? Uh, definitely on the like unsolicited belly touching like well the first thing that I remember very clearly is like that a lot of people want to tell you their own pregnancy experience as soon as they notice that you're pregnant or they want to tell you something right which like after a while I came to accept that I was going to be like part like as a pregnant woman I was also like part counselor for people who felt like they didn't get to tell their pregnancy stories in other in other which is like I just accepted that like I didn't mind and some of them honestly were useful right um so or it's just helpful to hear other people's experience so yeah but I I very quickly and easily accepted that that was going to happen a lot the thing that I did not love (laughs) is like the, not so much strangers touching my belly, but people who I normally would not have physical contact with. Like I wouldn't hug them if I, it's just like someone as who's part of like, who was part of my triathlon club, who I might like see at a run session. Like I would like say, I would acknowledge them and say, hey, how is your session or something? You know, like that would be my exchanges with them normally. Suddenly felt like they were allowed to touch me. <laughs> right? Like, so there was a lot of that. Like, and I remember in particular, there was one guy who like, he was like, he came up and he's like touching my belly like a lot. Like he's just standing there with his hands on me, on my belly. And I'm like, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah's face looks shocked for those who can't see it. I'm like reaching out my hands in this creepy way because it was creepy. And he said, and then he, tur- while he's holding my belly, he turns to like my partner at the time, whose baby it was, and is like, your wife is so beautiful. <laughs> like, so somehow he thinks he's doing this good thing, like this compliment, right? While I'm like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Like, uh-uh. like, this is like not, like, it was almost borderline creepy, you know? So I, I like, I think I actually, I sometimes it takes me a minute to like recognize what's happening. Like, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable and it's this slow, it's like the, balls dropping slowly like sometimes I I wish I would react faster but like he just took so long to take his hands off my stomach that I was just like okay I'm uncomfortable I'm going to step back now (laughs) like so weird um anyway so I did that was the worst occasion I did have like because it was like you know it was 10 years ago so no COVID like so there would often be people who would touch like they feel like it's okay to touch you suddenly so I think I think you're right. I probably have been protected from some of that uh, because of COVID. But yeah, so Jocelyn's story about people wanting to know details about her birth. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. I understand people's curiosity, uh-huh. but. That seems a little much, a little intrusive. It's, it's weird to ask. Like, honestly, when she first told the story, I was kind of like, my first reaction was like, oh, ouch. Like, that's what I'm thinking of as a mom myself. I'm like, ooh, mm. um, But like, they would never occur to me to be like, to, uh, to actually ask it out loud. Like, it's just not appropriate to ask about someone's vagina. Yeah. Just Yeah. Right. Um. Right. I don't know why that is. Like, it's a funny thing that we talk about a lot. It's like, why? Or I've, I've heard this quite a lot. Like, why, when we're pregnant, do people feel like our body is suddenly, like, fair game? And they can ask us things and t- touch us in, on our stomachs. Like, 
I, why? I have <laughs> I have no idea because you are you are now a vessel for another human being. Yeah, it's a strange mindset. Like, it's like, if you wouldn't ask me about my vagina on a normal day, then don't ask me about it when I'm pregnant. Like, if we have that relationship, because I have several female friends who I, like, I could ask them about their vagina, like, or we would have those conversations, like, about things we experience, right, Right. related to many things. Um, But, like, if I didn't have that specific relationship of that, like, small handful of people, like, I would not. I would try to avoid asking someone about their genitalia. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a good, you know, <laughs> philosophy to have in life in right. general. Just, right. you know, let's let's avoid asking people that whole thing. So great. I have lots to look forward to. People potentially coming up and rubbing my belly. Um, mm. Hopefully, you know, COVID's still going strong and nobody wants to get close to me. Uh, because I don't know what my reaction would be. And then asking details about, you know, how a baby left my body. Excellent. Mm. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can't wait. And then uh, I've also heard, you know, people really are curious about whether or not you breastfeed and how that's going mm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, again, we normally wouldn't just straight up ask women these sorts of questions about how their breasts function. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, totally. And also, like, I mean, the breastfeeding thing is like a massive can of worms, right? Because it's like Mm -hmm. something that some people will feel like if you can't do it, you know, some people will experience that as personal failure. Like anytime we have something like that in that category, it's like avoid it unless like, I mean, I think it's a fair, the same rule applies. Like unless you have that relationship with someone where you would ask them about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. About their breasts <laughs> on a normal day. Right. <laughs> like, and I, and it, yeah, like I said before. Or they like, bring I do... it up. I mean. <laughs> yeah, they bring it up. Like, they may bring it up and then you can, like, if I'm walking around, you know, the neighborhood and somebody asks what I'm doing, I just go into, well, let me tell you. <laughs> Or like I talk, we talk about like our nipples. Yeah. Sometimes I talk about my clit on the podcast. <laughs> like... <laughs> Then maybe, maybe just send us a voicemail and we'll talk to you. <laughs> so we've welcome, we've welcomed that kind of, Sarah, maybe this is it. This is like, when you start getting these questions, you could be like, damn podcast. <laughs> just... oh. Yeah, I bring it on myself. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's possibly. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Okay. Um. After the break. Oh, sorry. I just whacked the microphone. After the break, we have um yet another voicemail. If We Were Riding is a feisty podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at If We Were Riding. And we love hearing from our feisty friends. So please send us a voicemail at sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah without an H. Right. So just grab your phone, record an audio file and email it to me and we will love it and love you forever. And our regular listeners will know that If We Were Riding and All Things Feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear. For 15% off all items on orca.com, please use the code LIVEFEISTY15. And that includes the wetsuits, so good deals all around. 
Hey, Sarah and Sarah. Um, it's the Ninja Voicemailer, though um, this is going to be a long one, so I might lose that title because um, it's not a quick in and out. Um, so I just finished a run, and something um, really disturbing happened on the run, and I wanted some, frankly, to process it and maybe get some guidance. Um, so I was running along, and on the path in front of me was a, was a young woman walking towards me, not exercising, just walking towards me. And I did what I always do, which is 20, 30 feet away. I cough loudly because I don't want my presence to be a surprise. And I move as far away on the path as I can, my own safety permitting, which in this case was maybe three, four feet because it was a narrow path. So I ran past her and I looked up as I passed her. And the only word to describe the look on her face was fear. Um, and okay, objectively speaking, she's young and small and I'm six feet and 200 pounds on a good day. Um, so I kind of get it. So, um, my question is like, did I do something that I shouldn't have? Is there anything else I could have done that I didn't? Should I not have coughed? Should I look away? Should I look up? Um, I recognize that like six, nine months ago, I was asking you how to give encouragement to somebody, to a woman on a run. I evidently need something a little more remedial, like how not to scare the crap out of a woman on a run. Um, so, and I recognize that, you know, I, I read this, seen this statistic around recently, you know, 97% of women have felt either scared or intimidated or harassed. And I fully accept that statistic. And it's, you know, since it's probably not six guys going around the world harassing women, it is all men and we need to cowboy up, realize that it's our problem and figure out how not to scare the other half of the population. But is there anything I could have done differently? Should I have, you know, meet, meet her eyes, not meet her eyes, look away, not start walking, which I probably shouldn't do, but like, what can I do to not scare somebody on a run? Anyway, um, thanks. I, even if you don't put this on the podcast, I really would appreciate uh, some guidance on this because you know, it's very disturbing and I don't want it to happen. So thanks. All right. Ninja voicemail. First of all, I actually think that was quite to the point. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was trying to say that he didn't, he, it wasn't his typical 30 second voicemail style, but I think, I think he did the job. So the first thought I have is if you're coughing around somebody during COVID, no wonder she freaked out. <laughs> Totally. Totally. <laughs> it's not because you're a man, it. it's because you're coughing. <laughs> That's it. Question answered. Yeah. <laughs> no, but so on a more serious note, um, I think so a, a couple of years ago, our, we live in a small town. I feel super safe. I don't even think twice about it. I also think I'm pretty naive because I've always grown up in small towns and, you know, just, uh, I've never felt super threatened at any point. Um, again, I realize that's probably my own naivete, but I was, uh, coming up on a woman who was running ahead of me on a pretty public street and, from a little ways back, I was about to pass her. She could hear my feet. She could hear my footsteps. And I could see her body visibly tense up. Mm. And she started to speed up. And just the reaction, like it was it was this subconscious reaction where I could tell she was scared. And, you know, I passed her. Everything was okay. But she had her guard up. And it really, 
it really occurred to me that I don't know who th this woman is. I don't know her backstory. I know nothing about, you know, the, the environment that she grew up in where, uh, you know, in this safe little bucolic town where she would, you know, interpret on a subconscious level, my footsteps is potentially being threatening. So I think, you know, Ninja voicemailer, you may have done the exact right thing, but you just don't know where this these other people are coming from. So it may be nothing to do with you and just how they they understand and interpret the worlds. And as long as you are running in a well-lit public space, giving women, you know, plenty of, of space on the path, being respectful, um, maybe there is nothing you could have done differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was one of the thoughts I had, too, is that, like, if, you know, and, and like um, Howard mentioned, like, there are lots of women who have experienced trauma um, and to varying degrees. And, like, essentially running past someone or, you know, you're not going to heal their trauma, right? Like, and you're not responsible for that, um, you know, and so on some kind of level. The other thing that I thought of was um, times when I've been, like, say, walking after dark, and had to walk by someone. And I, I've actually consciously thought this a couple times in my life is like, I will look at someone for some sign of like kindness or humanity. So like sometimes if someone's like, especially like a male who's bigger than me, you know, if I, if I do feel a little intimidated and I'm walking by in the dark and I'll like intentionally look at them for like eye contact you know, um, not creepy extended eye contact to be clear, yeah. but just like, okay, like there's a shared humanity there, um, that sometimes makes me feel comfortable, um, in the past has done. I don't know that that, this is like just me. Like now I'm just talking about me. Yeah. That might, making eye contact might freak someone else out. I don't know. Um, well, but I, I think we do get, we do get physical cues. So I think the same, you know, within the same sphere, uh, body language will tell me a lot. And I think a lot of men who are used to not wanting to threaten, you know, come off as unthreatening, they actually change their posture. They change, you know, to, to, to signal they are not a threat to, to a woman who's walking down a, a dark street by herself. So I don't know. I don't know, Howard. I think you probably are doing everything right. And I give you a lot of credit for thinking about this, but, um, yeah. And I think yeah. possibly like overthinking it probably doesn't help. So like probably you're, I don't know. I know I'm just like, again, I'm just making shit up. I don't know Howard, what you look like as, as you're passing, but, but like if, if, if you're over anyone, if anyone's overthinking something, you might be giving off the wrong cues because you're like, you, tense. you're like, yeah, you're coming off a, across as tense where it's just like, sort of what would I do if I normally pass a runner? Like I, you know, here in Victoria, when I see other runners out on the trail, we tend to acknowledge each other or go, hey, make eye contact, give a little, like, you know, um, that whereas like when I used to run in Edinburgh and Scotland, like I had learned in Canada to say hi to everyone because we said hi to other runners. <laughs> and then I would say hi to runners and they'd look at me like, do I know you? Like, why is this weird woman saying hi to me? So like, I stopped doing that very quickly. But like, whatever your normal is, I think is probably just the way to proceed. Um, and like, just that little bit of thinking that clearly Howard was already doing about like not 
scaring someone. I know I've scared people unintentionally before because I'm mm-hmm. not thinking, I haven't thought about how I'm going to overtake them. I'm just like in the zone. I've got my music going. And next thing they're hearing like heavy breathing over the shoulder. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. oh shit, oopsie. Like I got too close to that when, person. <laughs> when you get somebody actually jumping up in the air. Mm. <laughs> I've had that. Mm-hmm. It's it's not funny, but it's it's a little funny. Oh, I actually like now that we're talking about this, like and without the even without the um kind of like the gender kind of the gender uh, gender idea is like I think about how I pass people on trails because I don't like sometimes I say sometimes the trail is narrow now especially during COVID you don't want to like make someone uncomfortable because you got too close to them but at the same time I'm like I don't want to change my pace twelve times during the run like I want to just be able to keep going and then sometimes I don't want to sound like so intense like on your left right (laughs) so so I've like I've like tried different things like so coming and and sometimes um and some people also hear better than other people which is actually Mm -hmm. a factor out there um that I find like sometimes like people hear me coming sometimes or my music's so loud you know, uh, and then, and then like the, I, I'm assuming they either hear my footsteps or my music, but other times, maybe sometimes with older people, like they don't hear me coming and I can startle them. So they'll be like, I try to like softly be like on your left, <laughs> but then, yeah. like I don't want to shout it too loud. So I don't think, I, I think that I also go through some kind of, um, some layers of the best way to overtake people without <laughs> scaring the shit out of them. Yeah, basically, there's no right or wrong way. We're just all, you know, kind of galloping around, trying not to scare each other. Yeah, totally. Or sometimes, sorry, now I'm on this topic. Sometimes I go too far, like, especially during COVID now, in trying to, like, not make people uncomfortable by getting too close to them when the trail's too narrow to keep, like, two meters or six feet between us. So, like, sometimes I've, like, gone off on, like, a side trail, into the woods yep. like I'm trying to find my way back to the path because I'm like or like gone off on a trail that's like oops it's not really a trail so now I'm like in the woods running parallel but they're like walking and I'm trying to find my way back to the path and I'm not really faster anymore because I'm on a hill and I'm climbing over a rock to get to like <laughs> so sometimes it's backfired hard on me <laughs> And they're just watching you. They're like, like, what is she doing? They're probably just like so chill. Like they like, she should have just run by me. Like (laughs) as I'm like climbing a tree to get, to make sure that they're not uncomfortable. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Well, I think, I think that's it for this week's podcast. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to save it for next week. And, you know, by giving us three voicemails to work with, we didn't really have to do much work today. I know. It was amazing. Thanks for all the voicemails, <laughs> friends. So thanks for listening to another week of If We Were Writing. And please send us voicemails because Sarah's maxed out. And the other Sarah is, you know, she's getting there. She's getting there. <laughs> Tell me to stop my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We reaching the top. We reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.